Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So where I want to go today is it's, you know, when I'm transitioning in between series, next week we're going to start a series, I'm calling it uh, Spiritual Practices and Disciplines. And we're going to talk about actual things that we do, but not from a performance-based perspective, from a relational perspective with God to prepare our hearts and condition our hearts to have that relationship with Him so that we experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives from a transformation perspective and then living from that. But it's good to touch base on, you know, what are some things that, that are in the Word of God that are disciplines and practices that we can incorporate into our lives that are good for us? Maybe there are new habits that we develop that help us, you know, root and ground ourselves more in Him. And maybe there's some things that are available that we don't know that have been available in church history that we can participate in that contribute to a thriving life and joyful relationship with the Father. You know, so, so I want to talk about those things just from an, an enrichment perspective, not from a perspective of you're not doing this, and if you would do this, then you would get this. You know, I'm not, I don't really want to approach it from that, but just from the perspective of intentional relationship with the Father, and here are some things in the Word of God that we can do to engage with Him. So I'm personally looking forward to that. And, you know, because I think we all have things in our lives that we've done really well in the past, and sometimes we neglect things, and we, you know, we forget that we knew that. Honestly, I think we forget more than we ever know. You know, it's like if somebody starts talking to you, oh, I used to know that. What happened? Why did I forget that? You know. So just refresh, refresh, <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe sharpen the sharpen the. The calling a little bit, you know, because when, when we dig into God a little bit, I think what we find is an empowerment and a little bit of renewed focus and vision. And so, you know, that, that's what I'm looking forward to, this being for you and for me. But today, I want to, I just want to encourage you a little bit. I don't really have a teaching where I'm talking about a doctrinal point or any of that type of thing. I want to encourage you. I have a few passages that I want to read, but I've been thinking about this idea of fulfillment, and I've been thinking about, you know, what, what is fulfillment, and how do we experience a sense of fulfillment? You know, we do get fulfillment out of our relationships in this earth. We get fulfillment out of our jobs, out of ministry, you know, out of the things that we create, and I, and I think that's okay, but what if you lose the opportunity to engage in that type of thing What's going to bring you fulfillment? Because what I'm looking at is I have these conversations with people, and a lot of times, you know, because we're in the U.S., and so most of these conversations are with Americans that have lots of opportunity, and we're disenfranchised with life or disappointed because we're not, we don't feel, feel fulfilled because we don't like our jobs, we don't have the ministry that we think we'd like to have. Our kids aren't what aren't doing this. Or my marriage is this. You know what I mean? It's like all these areas of disappointment and seeming lack of fulfillment. And sometimes, you know, I hear these stories and I'm like, 
let's go over to Kenya or let's fly over to, you know, Thailand and look at the average quality of life of a believer there. They don't have the luxury of being unfulfilled because they don't have their dream job. I mean, we have entire radio networks based on your fulfillment will come when you have your dream job. And I'm not really trying to knock that. I'm really not. I want you to have your dream job. I think God wants you to have your dream job. But is that your fulfillment? And are you unhappy if you don't have it, as if God has failed you somehow? Are you with me? You know, and so there's kind of a paradox here. I think if God had his way for each individual person, our lives would be incredibly rewarding and fulfilling. We would wake up every day with a sense of purpose and all of our needs would be met and there'd be no, it'd be heaven, it'd be paradise. That's what God wants for us. But given that the world is in the condition that it's in because of what humans did to it, he's interacting with us and trying to lead us. And while we do get a sense of fulfillment out of the things of this earth, what if you lose those? What if you don't have those anymore? Where does your sense of fulfillment come from? Where does your sense of purpose come from? Does it come from the things that you do as a Christian, or does it come from your identity in Him? And so I, I ran across this, um, this clip of an actor talking about his profession. I was thumbing through TikTok. Yep, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I delete it off the phone a lot of times. I'm like, this is just stupid. I delete it. Then I'm like, wait, I want to go watch those animations or those claymations again. Check out that claymation or that figure. Anyway, there's a lot of cool artistic stuff on there that I appreciate. But, but I'm, I'm thumbing through, and there's two actors talking. And one of them is very, very famous, younger guy. And he says this. He's, he says, I'm deeply dissatisfied with life. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you've seen it, but anyway, that's not the point. He says, I'm deeply dissatisfied with life. And she says, uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And he says, you know, but I get fulfillment and satisfaction when I'm acting. He said, because that's more real to me than my life. And he says, I don't really love a lot of things in life, but in the context of acting, I love things. He says, and he uses the illustration of like ice cream and pottery. Yeah, I think he's just trying to come up with examples. He's like, I'm deeply dissatisfied with life, but when I'm pretending, that brings me a sense of fulfillment. It's not real. Like it's not a natural organic expression of his life. It's a stage upon which to experience a sense of fulfillment. But what if he were, you know, cleaning the toilets at a restaurant and he didn't have that context of acting to get an emotional fulfillment? That's what he's talking about, a sense of an emotional fulfillment that's worldly and unrelated to his actual life. Are you with me? Now, I'm being a little bit harsh on the guy, and I'm presenting that as a negative thing. I'm, I, I, I'm glad he has something. I'm glad, you know, so I, I don't want to say acting is evil. But, it, but 
the statement, I'm deeply dissatisfied with life, but I get an emotional sense of fulfillment while I'm acting like I'm getting an emotional sense of fulfillment. So it's, it's, a, it's not real. Even though in that context, the emotions are real for him. Now, I have, I have heard of some actors that have had trauma in their past, they get a particular role, and in the research and study of the role, it actually helps them process the difficulty in their real life, and it, and it, and it helps them. And it can be a cathartic process that they experience some freedom and you know, grow up and let go of the trauma of the past. So, you know, I mean, I get that that can happen in that context. But in terms of this guy, he's deeply dissatisfied with life, but he gets a soulish sense of emotional fulfillment when he's pretending in this context, but it's not actually real. And he even says it's not real. And they both say how messed up that is with other words. She's like, I, boy, I know what you're talking about, and that's really messed up. And people watching won't understand that. But da, 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 and so that you know, it's it's just interesting to watch these two dysfunctionally emotional people express and be honest about their life. You know what I mean? But yet make millions of dollars while they're doing it. I wish I could make millions of dollars, but, you know, but not really. But so so I started thinking about this. The Christian life is like that a lot of times too, especially when you're really involved in church programs. You know, so as a believer, we are called to live a sense of fulfillment out of our purpose and our identity in Him, not neglecting this great salvation that God has given us in Christ, living a life of holiness and sanctification, and those things are given to you in Christ, but you live according to those ways by grace through faith, and we have a lot of people pretending to be those things in religious environments and in Christian busy work, but yet in their lives not really fulfilling that, not really feeling that and having that perspective. And unfortunately, modern church has kind of facilitated that environment. It's our acting stage. We go into our real lives, and we are this person, and then we go into our Christian lives or what's on display either in church or our Christian service, and it brings a sense of fulfillment, but all the while we're deeply dissatisfied with our real lives, but when we're over here kind of faking this thing, it feels like fulfillment. Are you with me? Church programs and church busy work can be that way. I mean, you can be serving in the midst of a prison ministry that is rescuing the darkest souls in there, helping them find Christ, turning them around, discipling them, and then they start small groups and disciple others in prison. I mean, some of the most, you know, you can be literally going into child slave rings and pulling those children out and saving them from those dark places but yet in your life, you're deeply dissatisfied. Are you with me? Now, I'm not saying quit doing those kinds of things, but if you're in a situation where you act like life is all great and wonderful, but in your personal life, you're deeply dissatisfied with life, watch out. 
because you're on course for destruction. And you will ultimately begin to despise the Christian busy work that you're doing, and maybe at some point you'll reject it altogether. Now, we are created unto good works. We are created unto all of these things that God has prepared ahead of time for us to, out of a sense of purpose, live a life devoted to laying our lives down for others. But it's not in the laying of your life down for that other that brings you that sense of fulfillment. It's knowing who you are in Him, no matter what your ministerial expression is. Are you with me? And so the focus has to be on peace. And I'm not talking about be as sinless as possible as your sense of fulfillment. I'm talking about your relationship with the Father, your honesty with Him. Where are you in your appreciation for the salvation that you've been given with Him? What is your relationship like on a day-to-day basis, the stuff that nobody sees? Is that fulfilling for you? Because I don't care what ministry or job opportunity you jump into, if you don't have that, it will be dissatisfying for you. And so I think about all these conversations that I have with people that they they don't feel like they're satisfied, they don't feel like there's a place for them, they don't feel like what I do is rewarding, You know, I'm not really sure what my calling is. I'm not really sure what I should do. And that in and of itself produces a sense of dissatisfaction and, uh, and, 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 uh, yeah, dissatisfaction. Is that the word? Dissatisfied? What did I say? He's deeply dissatisfied. For some reason, it didn't sound right in my mind. You know, so in other words, I have these conversations and people are like, well, I just don't know. I just don't know what I should do. I just don't know what God wants me to do. And, and, it's a, and I'm like, okay, we can talk about that. We can move you towards something that is very fulfilling and rewarding for you to do. But there's something deeper here we need to talk about first. You know, if you, if you feel depressed and unuseful because you're not doing a sense of Christian work, the fact that you're not doing something is not the problem. It's where's your heart with Him? Because why are you doing that thing anyway? Now, there's a paradox there because from a completed identity in Him engaging in a deeply meaningful, purposeful way of living is incredibly rewarding. And we all want that. We all want our work to count. We want our lives to count. We want what we put our hand to, to count. We want it to make a difference in people's lives and participate in the increase of the kingdom. But if you're doing those things because you feel like that makes me a better Christian or I'm not a good enough Christian until I'm doing those kinds of things, it's backwards. See, because if you get involved, and so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to burst the bubble of you finding this great and wonderful work to do with a Christian kingdom focus, then you get into it and you're still deeply dissatisfied with life. You still feel this hole within you. And so then you never know what you're going to turn to. Mostly... Lust of the flesh and all that list of things that bring destruction and corruption into our lives. Are are you following me? 
I'm trying to express this idea of, yes, pursue a sense of meaning and purpose to live for, but check yourself to see if the lack of that is causing you to feel a sense of depression or a sense of loss. Now, you know, there is the nuance of if you're not living with purpose, if you're not engaged in some type of service, there is a sense of staleness to life. You know, you just feel, you just feel unproductive and lethargic and sluggish. <laughs> you know, so I, I want us to live with some, I want us to be engaged in something that's meaningful. But if you don't have that, don't, don't roll that over into God hadn't come through for me. I'm disappointed in life because God hasn't shown me. I just wish He would just tell me what to do. You know, so people use that as an excuse to nurture their unfulfillment. God, has, God just, I just don't know what to do. Therefore, I'm unhappy. Well, that, you, you got it backwards. Joy comes from the Lord. It comes from that deep, intimate connection with Him, nurturing and cultivating that, and then living from that. I think I've made the point. So I, I, I want to read a few passages here and just end on this idea that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full. So on that idea, I looked at a few passages that talk about this idea. And for the early church, you know, they, they were, they didn't really have a sense of, I get to live my dream job. The early church, who all of these letters that we have that were written to, are very intense situations that these authors are writing to. I mean, they're writing letters. So Paul, most of Paul's letters, you know, he went on three different missionary journeys. I found this YouTube series, actually. It's, a, it's about a 30-minute video on each of his missionary journeys, and this guy actually goes to the locations of the, the places that he went to. I'll post it in our Facebook, and, and if you're not in our Facebook group, email us info at forward.church, and we'll send you the links. But it's just a YouTube series on uh, Paul's first missionary journey, Paul's second missionary journey, and it's a guy from, that's actually from a small island near Greece. And so from a, Greece perspe a Greek perspective, he kind of walks you through that, that part of the world. But it's just, it's just really interesting. But he talked about and reinforced the idea that he went on all these missionary journeys started all these churches, he would go to the synagogues and he would reason with the Jews first because they were the ones that were supposed to be able to receive. Say, so, oh, yeah, we get it. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one we've been preparing for. We've been living under this Levitical sacrificial priesthood system for all these you know, centuries. Uh, now we get it. Oh, he's finally, oh, you mean he's finally here? We hadn't heard about that yet, but praise God, he's here. Some people received it that way, but a lot of them didn't. So Paul was to go, you know, to them, and then God said, don't go to them, go to the Gentiles, because they're rejecting it. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to teach. I wanted to be philosophical today. <laughs> but it's a, real, it's a really cool series of videos, so I encourage you to go check that out. But the letters that he wrote were back to these churches that were started on his missionary journeys to address either doctrines that crept in um, or a particular city that was so sexually denigrated and there were, had these ancient, you know, female gods that they worshiped and the women were overbearing over the men. And so he's addressing very specific cultural issues in some of these letters. And, 
you know, he's addressing all, all kinds of things in these letters. But um, so we, we have to realize we're not in a lot of those, the intense situations that Paul's addressing. I'm not saying that those letters aren't for you. They just weren't written to you. And so you have, when you're reading scripture, you, you kind of you make sure that you don't adopt a martyr complex as if, well, God wants me to suffer. Well, you might not never, you may, you might not never suffer <laughs> persecution for your faith. The, per, the suffering that Paul is addressing is the persecution that they were experiencing, of which most of us will never experience. So he's addressing people in very intense situations, all the while the subcontext remains of living the Christian life and spreading the gospel, right? So I'm not saying that, you know, we should just never have trouble. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we, most of us will never experience the situation of preaching in a town where Christianity is illegal. They arrest us. They throw rocks at us to the point of death. And then the next day we walk up and walk 30 miles to the next town because Paul did that. You realize that? They stoned Paul and they thought he was dead. And the next day he gets up and walks to the next town, which I think is like 20-something miles away. I mean, imagine what he must have felt like, you know? Maybe a little bit of a headache. <laughs> and so the joy that they had was not you get to get your dream job. It was the fellowship that they had with one another. It was the fact that they were citizens of the kingdom of God together. You know, so they were, it was the fulfillments of Jesus talking about you know, you, when you, you lose your life for my sake, you actually find your life. And in that passage, he's talking about, you know, brother against brother and mother against son and, and all of that. And he's talking about how the divisiveness of the gospel, because when the gospel's preached, some people receive it and some don't, and it brings division. You know, so he's talking about all of this difficulty that you're experiencing. The joy that we have is in that we have each other and we have relationship with the Father, and we have eternity in Him, right? So out of a very intense situation, can you imagine a group of, a small group of Christians, you know, after they're all out at risk of life, and then they come back together, how joyful that must have been with each other. And so that, I think that's why Paul was so intently focused on, look, you guys are, you guys are disrupting this Christian brotherhood that we have by living these ways and favoring one over another and perverting the gospel and trying to put people back under Judaism and telling them to get circumcised and going back to the feasts and you eat with the Gentiles when the Jews aren't around, but then when they're around, you don't. It's like, man, it's about our, it's about our fellowship in Him that we should be preserving and nurturing and taking joy in. You know, that's why I think church is so much fun because it's mostly believers coming in and we get to be with one another and lift each other up, prepare to be launched into the world to carry the gospel. So that your joy may be full, you know, they write things like this. Of course, this is John, 1 John 1, 3. And so he talks about these are the things, this is who Jesus is, and he comes to this. He says, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write that your joy may be full. And then Jesus says this in this way, which I, I went through John 14 and 15 not that long ago, 
And we talked about how at the first part, when Jesus is talking about the vine dresser, and if you're not, the only way that you can bear fruit is, in, is abiding in him. And if you don't bear fruit, it says he will, it says throw away or cast away, but in the original language, it's actually lift up. You guys remember when we went through that? And so if you're not bearing fruit in him, but the only way to bear fruit is if you abide in him, the warning is not, if you're not bearing fruit, you're going to be cast out. It's, now he will come along and lift you up. So that phrase is actually lift up. I think it says take away. You know, so we, we're scared to death that if we're not bearing fruit, that he's going to take us away and cast us into hell. And that's not what he's saying. He's talking about if you don't bear fruit, I'll come along and lift you up. There may be some pruning in your life. You may need to cut this out and stop this because it's disrupting your relationship with me and your heart is hard in this area. But if I, as I lift you up and you let me comfort you and nurture you back into a sense of wholeness, then you begin to bear fruit. That's the idea of the vine dresser. So out of that, he goes into this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, our response to that is, how offended are we going to be? What? Ask whatever I wish and it'll be done for me? You know, and now we know it's according to the word, right? We're not talking about golden invisible jets or whatever. <laughs> I just had to check to see if y'all are awake. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken to you, that your joy, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So I love that he defines it because he says, if you keep my commandments, you know, because it kind of sounds like he's saying, if you keep my commandments, then I'll be happy with you and I won't cast you away. That's not really what he's saying. He's saying, here's how your joy can be full, loving one another, but not as just how you love people, but as I have loved people. You know, so this sense of fulfillment does come from laying your life down like Jesus did, the sense of joy that we have. But what if you are deeply dissatisfied with your relationship with the Father and you continually sacrifice yourself, you're going to become bitter toward those people that you're serving. You ever done that? I don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever, ever, ever been involved in Christian service and ministry to the point where you are, you're in intense situations a lot? Say, a lot. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's deeply meaningful work, and it's necessary work to go to these people to help them and set them free. But, some, but at a certain point, you like start to despise them because they don't appreciate the help, or it's not as rewarding because you're not seeing the kind of fruit that you think they need to have in their lives, and so you do all this for them, but yet it doesn't make a difference, and then you're like, why even try? You ever been there? It's about you. 
you old selfish thing, you. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Are you with me? Yeah. It may not be joyful for you to lay your life down. I see the elbows. <laughs> I see the D's. Because we've all been there to a degree, you know. Is your joy full? Are you fulfilled? No, that's not necessarily the meaning of joyful, but I'm tying these two ideas together. So, so I want to read through a couple of passages, end with some encouragement, and say farewell till the next time we meet. All right. I love Proverbs. talks about the heart a lot. The heart is the new you. God gave you a new heart. You, do not, you no longer have that de deceitful and wicked heart, in other words, inner core that defines you. You have a new heart that is after God's own heart. It has a new way of hearing and following God. It's not contrary to God any longer. It is of God's own heart. You are one with Him, and this new heart is programmed to follow Him. Not obedience unto righteousness, but the obedience of faith because you are righteous in Him. So this heart... These are Old Testament proverbs that I'm going to read, so this is not about the new heart, but it still applies today because these things can be happening in your heart. So we're addressing this idea of, do you feel deeply dissatisfied with life even though you might have a very rewarding job or ministry? And there's a problem there. What if you get, what if all your dreams come true, but you're still trapped in sin unhappy. At the end of the day, you, have, you need to self-medicate because your dream is not fulfilling for you. Then we deal with these issues. This is Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart of a man, but a good word cheers it up. You know, so your heart is where you hear God. And if it's anxious... You're not going to hear. You're not going to be led by him. Anxiety weighs down the heart of a man and a woman. Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Now, don't raise your hand, but do you feel like your spirit is broken? Or maybe you're here because you're feeling like, all right, there's a little bit of hope for me. I'm not really sure. I've just been kind of this deeply dissatisfied with life thing. You know, I, I want, I, I serve. I want to be, I want to have Christian fruit in my life. I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I want to serve and be fulfilled in my job and ministry. But man, my, just, my spirit is broken. I just, ugh, I just feel like I'm going through the motions. Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine but a broken spirit dries up the bones. The spirit of the man can endure his sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? You know, we put up with a lot. But if that inner man, that inner state is broken, disenfranchised, dissatisfied, what are you going to do? Because there's nothing in this world that's going to bring that to you. There's no amount of success or amount of Holy Spirit fruit that will make the root healthy. 
know, so I want that personal reflection happening. And don't let this turn to condemnation or guilt. I just want you to be honest with yourself. I want us to quit playing church. I want us to quit pretending like these things that we're doing make us fulfilled. They're just rewarding things that we get to participate in, but the spirit, what's going on inside of there? What's going on in that inner man? Where are you? Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from, from it flow the springs of life. I, I feel like this series that we're going to go into of developing healthy and productive spiritual practices and disciplines will be tools with which we guard our hearts so that fulfillment comes from our relationship with Him so that we then can engage in things in this world, whether it be ministry or job-related. And, if, and the, the success and the ebb and flow of those things doesn't back itself all the way up into your heart to rob your sense of fulfillment and joy. Are you with me? So it's paradox. These spiritual disciplines and practices that we want to install into our lives are not going to bring the sense of fulfillment, but they're going to be the guards of our heart so that our heart isn't inundated with the world, but it's fueled by the Spirit of God and we live from that place of peace in Him. And then you are way more productive on accident than you ever can work hard for in this earth in anything. And I just want to end on this idea. Two more passages. I think this is part of where our dissatisfaction comes from. And so, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be contradictory, but I'm trying to present a paradox in service versus fulfillment. This is Jesus, Matthew 25, 24. Um, then he who had received the, this is the parable of the talents. Most of us know this parable, but there's a principle in this. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered his seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. I mean, to me, this is, there's an arrogance in this because this man was given something from his master, and for fear of losing it, he went and buried it in the ground, and then he brought it back, and he showed it. He said, look, here's yours. You gave me this. I was afraid, and I stuck it in the ground, but here, you do something with it. I, you know, that, that's how I hear it. I don't know if that was the attitude of this guy, but in the context of this, I think a lot of our fulfillment, our, our dissatisfaction with life comes from this idea. God's put things within us, and for fear, we've buried it in the ground. We've sat on our calling. We've sat on those desires and dreams that God has given us, even if it's a, job, even if it's a business idea or a ministry idea or a relationship to pursue. And we're afraid, and so we bury that stuff, and we don't pursue it. And then we haven't lived out of those natural things that God has put inside of us. So as we go through this spiritual practices and discipline thing, part of it is... I want some motivation to come out of it, to step into a sense of calling, but also always being anchored in the idea, I'm complete in Him, but is my dissatisfaction coming from, I'm not fulfilled in what I'm doing, or is it, I don't know who I am? 
Like, what if everything was taken away from you? Who are you? And this is a good small group discussion question, Jimmy and those of us that are doing small groups. Um, who are you? <coughs> don't tell me what you do. Don't tell me what your job is. Don't tell me your name. Who are you? And then lastly, thinking about Joshua. You know, Joshua basically took over for Moses. Moses delivered the three million people from Egypt. A lot of them complained and moaned, and so they couldn't enter into the promised land, not because God withheld it from them from their dis, for their disobedience, but it says they couldn't enter in because they didn't mix faith with the promise, and they limited what God could do through them. In other words, something needed to happen in them that put them in a place to be able to go into the promised land and receive what God had for them. It wasn't that God just could clear the land for them and then they could go in and take it. They needed to be at a place where they could follow Him all along the way to re receive the guidance and the wisdom that He had for them as they were taking the land. And a lot of them, because of their hardness of heart and not having faith in the promise of the new land, they couldn't receive what He had for them. It was on them, not on Him. And so it wasn't him withholding it as much as it was their hardness of heart. They couldn't receive it. So they couldn't go in and experience promise. A lot of us see promises of fulfillment in the Word of God, but our hearts are so hard, we can't receive the promises that He has for us. So I want to soften our hearts over these next few weeks. But this, this is interesting, and, I want you, and I'll end on this, but I want you to take this as a promise of God for you as you proceed forward to, to, to be deeply, intimately satisfied in your relationship with your Father as your identity, but then out of that, live with a sense of purpose. And this is Joshua. He's taken over. This is Joshua 1, verse 5. No man, and this is God speaking to Joshua, giving him a commission. I would, I would encourage you to go back and read Joshua all of chapter 1, and also Matthew chapter 10 is kind of almost, it's like Jesus speaking to his disciples. It kind of mirrors this a little bit. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You know, so, so this touches on the idea of, is there somebody in your life that you're allowing them to rob your joy? You're blaming them for your unfulfillment. Well, they've opposed me, and it's just unjust and unfair, and they've done this in my life, and therefore I can't have this. Are you doing that? That's what he's talking about. He's like, look, nobody's going to be able to oppose you. I will not leave you, nor I will, see, I will not leave you, nor forsake you. This, and now this is a commission. This is almost like a command. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance, the land which I swore to the fathers to give them, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Now for us, that's following God from the heart. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And that for us, that's the engagement of God in his wisdom in our hearts. But you shall meditate in it day and night, spiritual disciplines and practices, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so I think about the disciples when Jesus gave them power and they go out and they start healing people and casting out devils and they come back to Jesus and they're like, man, this is amazing. I never knew life could be this good. We're casting out devils, healing people. And he's like, yeah, okay. I, I, I'm happy for that. But your joy is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so we have a section of Christianity that says, you're going to be really the kind of Christian that you're supposed to be when you start doing miracles. And that's what's going to save the planet. Not necessarily. Jesus did a bunch of miracles and they killed him. Your joy is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, go and do the stuff. But what if you pray for somebody and it doesn't work for whatever reason? Is your fulfillment going to waver back and forth in that? Are you going to question who you are in him? Are you with me? Be strong. And so this, this is the idea that I want to leave you with, right? Who are you? Where is your sense of purpose and fulfillment coming from? If you have that sense of dissatisfaction and unfulfillment in life, where is it coming from? And so as you turn your heart back toward Him and allow your joy to be in Him and your sense of purpose and fulfillment to be in Him, unrelated to the things that are causing difficulty and dissatisfaction in your life, then, you can, then you're prepared to go into your life and not just face and endure, but thrive in any situation. Amen? But this idea, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Just stand up on your feet. And I want you to kind of use this as a meditative process, a little bit of an exercise for you. Read through that, either silently to yourself, out loud, or with me. But I don't just want us to like look at the letters and say the letters out here. Feel it for just a minute. Like, like this is God speaking to you of how to pursue move forward, say it inwardly so that it changes something within you. Ready? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, so now let's make it first person. So let me say it this way. I will be strong and I, let me read it first. I will be strong and I will have good courage I will not be afraid. I will not be dismayed. The Lord is with me. So however you might say that, but let's say that. And, and say it as if it means something to you. So ready? I will be strong and I will be of good courage. I will not be afraid. I will not be dismayed. For the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. Now just say it to yourself silently in first person as if your prayer, as if it's a prayer. The Lord my God is with me. I will be strong. I'll be of good courage. I'll not be dismayed. God is with me. Now, I realize in a moment like this, it's kind of hard to just flip into 
a deep sense of connection with him. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I want you to practice that this week. I want you to practice this statement and look into your heart and are you living from this place? Mostly to know that God is with you, no matter what's going on in this earth. Where's your sense of fulfillment coming from? Do you have everything you've ever wanted in life but then feel deeply dissatisfied? What's going on? You know, so it's almost like take an evaluation, an inventory of what's going on inside of you because we're going to soften our hearts to the Lord with some practices and disciplines to give our heart the opportunity to just be settled in Him and then live this way toward the world. Amen? Father, we thank You for the opportunity to gather and put our Word in Your, your Word in our hearts so that it would bear fruit. But I thank You that we live uh, from a sense of knowing who we are in You, that we're not thrown about by what's going on in the world. My emotions aren't dependent upon what's the condition of my life. And if I have repetitive behavior patterns that are continuing to create negative emotion, if I, there's this thing that I have in my life that it, it just keeps wrecking my life, I want to be free from that, Lord. In you, I am free. That is not who I am. I am choosing to let go of that. I am choosing to repent, to change my mind, to turn away from that. Help, Lord. Help me be able to let go of that. Help me be able to eradicate from my life that thing which is causing me to be so hard of heart towards you. I want my heart soft toward you so that I can live from purpose and not be ride the roller, emotional roller coaster of life because of what's going on in my job or relationships. If you're in this room today and you've never said yes to Jesus, we're going to have some people up front up here that will pray with you. We have a gift for you. If you need prayer for anything at all, if you're in the room today, our prayer team is going to come forward. And if you're watching online, you're not a Christian, you've never said yes to him, go to our website, forward.church. Down at the bottom, there's an article there, and we have a free gift for you. And contact us, reach out to us. Father, those people that want to make a decision for you, just help them say yes to you. Help them believe that you sent Jesus for them. Father, I speak strength and courage over them to open their hearts, to allow you to come in and give them the gift of new life. Father, I speak health over every person in this room. I thank you that we lead, we are led by your wisdom, that we receive your direction, that we receive your instruction. Father, I thank you that we humble ourselves to see ourselves how you see us, and we live out of that understanding of who we are in you. Father, we are choosing to not be defined by the stage of life, but we will go into life from a sense of purpose in you. I speak health over every person, healing in our bodies, full provision and financial blessing and abundance so that we can be a blessing. We trust you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Was that helpful? I hope so, because I'm speaking to me too. Amen? All right. Love you guys. Y'all have a great week, and we will see you soon. Make sure you're getting our emails so you know everything that's coming up.